0: Welcome to the SCORE Music and Sports Podcast, where we talk with some of the greatest names from the stadium and stage about the music and sports that shaped their lives. I'm John Adams. In my years of working in the music and sports arenas, I've experienced firsthand the surprising connections between these two industries. Together through this podcast, we will explore this crossover relationship. All of our podcasts have an accompanying Spotify playlist that showcases the music we discuss with each of our guests. Search for The Score on Spotify. Today, I get to speak with one of the most feared pitchers of the 1990s. He started his MLB career with the White Sox in 1987 and was an all-star in 1991, 92, and 93. In 1993, he also won 22 games and at the end of the season, brought home the A.L. Cy Young Award. During his 12-year MLB career, he also wrote his own music and started two rock bands playing lead guitar in View and Stick Figure. We will talk with Jack McDowell when we return.
1: Hi, this is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Right now, the coronavirus is affecting all of us, but for communities of color, the impact is especially devastating. Sadly, this pandemic amplifies the real-life consequences of existing economic and social inequalities. That's why the NBA is partnering with the National Urban League to help inform, represent, and empower communities of color. This is a time for all of us to help all of us. And the more we understand the issues, the more we will be able to solve them. Now, more than ever, we need to be in this together. Be safe, be informed, and get engaged.
0: And welcome back to the SCORE Music and Sports Podcast. Today's guest is former MLB pitcher, Cy Young Award winner, and guitarist, Jack McDowell. So thank you for being with us, Jack. How are things?
2: Well, things are kind of the same as everybody else. Not a whole lot going on, and we're sitting at home and waiting for things to get back rolling again, man.
0: Yes, we all are, and I can't wait for for us to get back to that. Going back to some of your music influences from when you were a kid, when you were a teenager, what were you listening to? What kind of music was was young blackjack listening to?
2: Well, the interesting part about that is my I have two brothers and a sister, and they are 7, 8, and 10 years older than me. So basically, I grew up listening to the stuff that they were into. And my sister worked at Chrysalis Records And then when the head of Chrysalis moved to take over our MCA, she moved there too. So every time they got a new artist, new record, we got to get it at home. And it was, you know, the babies, Tom Petty. I mean, it was crazy. The stuff that, you know, um, Poco was there. Toto was there, actually. All kinds of stuff. But my brothers were huge Beatles fans. So I grew up listening to the Beatles. They would always, you know, be playing stuff and they'd, they'd, do little little guesses with me. Okay, who's singing? Which one's singing, Jack? Come on, figure it out. You know, who wrote this? Who did that? Who is that? So I became a huge Beatles fan, learned a lot about that. You know, Beach Boys, they love Jethro Toll, they love The Who, so a lot of that stuff, you know, growing up, that was basically me listening to what they were into.
0: Do you have a favorite Beatles album? I think Rubber is
2: my favorite, looking at it. I just really like the, the songs on there. You know, a lot of people go to Sgt. Pepper's, and that's cool. There's a lot of cool songs on there. It's just Rubber Soul Just, it's really cool to me.
0: Yes, Rubber Soul and Revolver are, are my two favorites. I just think that that's when yeah. the Beatles really found their own.
2: Yeah, for sure.
0: Now, I know you grew up in the L.A. area and went to Notre Dame High School in Sherman Oaks. When you were in high school and growing up, did you ever go to – uh, any of the like the clubs on the Sunset Strip see any of the bands that were performing there?
2: Um, well yeah, later on when I got old enough to get out there, you know, sure. not during the high school days, not during my <laughs> high school days. Same thing. I used to go with my, my brothers and they took me to a bunch of cool so I got to see um, you know, Tom Petty way back then. Got to see Bruce Springsteen way back then, just tagging along with them and their college buddies to do shows. So that was a lot of fun. Um most of them at the uh, at the Universal Amphitheater out there.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I think the first—I'm trying to think what the band was—the first show that we actually went to the strip and saw somebody was uh, it was one of the one of the new wave bands. I forget. I, I thought if I if I sat there and thought probably like three o'clock tonight, I'll remember and I'll give you a shout. And <laughs> let you know what it
0: was. Sounds great. <laughs> Hit me anytime. Te- text me. It's all good. Yeah. So, when did you start playing guitar?
2: Well, I took—I started taking lessons when I was 11. I took two years of lessons, um, you know, basically went through the, uh, the first three or four Mel Bay books of uh, the basics of learning guitar, and then after that was self-taught. After that, I was just listening to songs, going, oh, that sounds cool, and, you know, learning the chords, learning, you know, the different styles of guys playing stuff, and then you know, when I got really into it, um, and then began writing songs, basically Peter Buck was my guitar influence. the The arpeggio picking and all that kind of stuff is where I really got the style that I developed as my own.
0: What was more fun for you as a kid, going and and pitching and playing baseball, or learning and playing the guitar?
1: I like. I mean, I like
2: playing guitar, but I mean, sports were always my thing. You know, I wasn't just. Baseball was everything. It was every sport, and it was just a lot of you know. That's kind of where I ended up. is the sports that was where, you know, you just kept playing and kept doing my thing, and loved playing sports. And you know, I played guitar on and off, but you know, come high school and all that, I didn't really do it much. In college, I didn't do it much. as you know, a little, little too busy to be doing it right about then. And then. <laughs> When I started playing again and started up on the guitar was when I went back to Stanford, you know, after signing with the White Sox in 1987, finishing up, being up in the big leagues in September, and then being done with that, I went back to Stanford to finish my degree. I had two quarters left to do, so I went to, you know, the first two off seasons that I had, I went back there to finish it up. And the first off season I went back there, and like I get done with my classes at noon and I'm like, go, Okay, I don't have baseball practice, I don't have anything else, I've got nothing to do up here. So I said, I'm bringing my guitar, So I said, I got my guitar, and that's when I started messing around a little bit more with the guitar, and then we started, you know, messing around and writing songs up there, funny songs to begin with, and then getting a little more serious with stuff, so that's kind of how it all jumped into the next level of music for
0: me. And when you left Stanford and went back to the White Sox, you continued playing and I find it amazing that you continue to write songs and to play, even with the workout schedule and the 162-game schedule and everything else that you were doing along with baseball, you found time for guitar, which was clearly a passion of yours.
2: Absolutely. And the thing is, if you take a look at that, the day-to-day of living the baseball life, when you're on the road for you know, two straight weeks, and you weren't showing up to the park until four, you had nothing to do. You're sitting in a hotel room with absolutely zero to do all day long. So that's where it became something where I can bring my guitar along, mess around and have some fun with it, you know, kind of pass the time. You had to find a way to pass the time. And, you know, sometimes it was walking around the cities to learn the cities and have some fun there. And a lot of times it just sit around and play the guitar for me.
0: In '89, you started your first band, View. How did that come to be?
2: Well, that came all from um, Lee Plummel, who ended up playing in the minor leagues with um, the Cardinals for a few years. He was um, on my, you know, on our team at Stanford, and he went back for his senior year. And so we hung out, and he had—he was a piano player. He knew how to play the piano. And when I brought my guitar up there, he ended up buying a bass. And we would play songs together, learn songs together. And, you know, that's how we started doing it. Then we went to spring training. I wasn't too far from him. He was in Tampa. I was in Sarasota. So we would hook up and do some music stuff and mess around and start doing that. And there was, you know, basically two-thirds of view right there. (laughs) Then, you know, it turns out the White Sox, we had a drummer on our team, which was Wayne Edwards. And we're like, oh, you're That's a drummer, great. heck, let's let's write some songs and go do some. Well, we did. We wrote songs, and, you know, the next off-season, we went in and recorded some stuff.
0: You recorded two albums, two full albums, and in 92, I saw that you toured with the Smithereens. What, when did you have time to tour? Uh, in the off-seasons, man. It was all
2: off-season. Season. Yeah, I mean, there was some. I did some shows during the, during the season. You know, there's usually during the season, I'd get a two or three shows in there. The thing was you could never, you know, project, Oh, Hey, in three months, we're going to play here and here, which is usually how it works for music. And I'm looking going, yeah, that could be the night that I'm pitching and that ain't going to (laughs) work, you know, or I'm pitching the next night and I'm sure not going to do a, you know, an 11 o'clock show when I'm pitching the next night. So, you know, it wasn't kind of hard to, to do stuff during the season, you know, although we pulled some of it off. Um, and actually, yeah, there, we we did two two records with View, and then what did we have? One, two, three, four, five with um, Six figures, the next band. So, got mm-hmm. a lot of music that's out there that you know didn't get didn't get. Yeah, I've, I've been listening to it now and pushing it back on people just because I've got nothing much going on right now. I'm <laughs> like going, hey, you remember this song? Remember this song? You know, it's kind of crazy. We weren't allowed to play the game at that next level, but looking back on it probably should have. Mm-hmm. We had good enough stuff and I wrote good enough songs to have a little more attention than it got.
0: I was looking through this. I was trying to find more of your music and I couldn't find, I couldn't find anything from View. Couldn't, f- looked everywhere online and then I found one track and from Stick Figure and that's Care. So...
2: Yeah, there was, there someone threw on YouTube. I saw that. That's yeah. right. So yeah. this is... And a, then the only two, then our, our last... 2 stick six-figure records are on iTunes, but the, the other three are not. You know, we were kind of done when all that stuff started to pop up and, and, you know, just never followed up on getting the stuff online and having that. But.
0: Allow me to jump in here really quick. Jack has given us special permission to include the stick figure track Care in its entirety at the end of this podcast, so stick around for that. Now, back to Jack McDowell.
2: I got a ton of CDs sitting in my house if people want to buy them. <laughs> I actually have my actually have a thing on eBay where you can buy four of my CDs, two of them signed, um, for I think it was like 40 or 50 bucks we put it up for. I my a decent deal because CDs are 10 bucks. Yeah. You get four CDs and
0: two signed. So what the heck. Oh, I'm I'm going to do that right after this conversation. So <laughs> and I'll put the link out there. That'll be great. There you go. Perfect. You know, right now it's everything's on Spotify, everything's on Apple Music. Are you taking the steps right now to get your music on those those digital outlets? Because there's some really great stuff it's, here.
2: It's interesting because the, the iTunes thing was you had to pay a lot to get in there,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and buy your way in there, and so unless you were going to, you know, sell a ton of songs, you're wasting your money, and that's why we didn't jump right away because it's like, you know, we're just a little band. And iTunes was the only thing out there. But you're right with the Spotify and all that. I just actually the other night had a text conversation with Steve Wynn from the baseball project. And I was like, going, hey, what's you know what's the best way right now to get on digital? And he gave me the route to go. So I'm probably going to try to jump on there and, and get everything out there so people can listen to it. The more that I'm getting it out there to people who haven't heard of it, they're like, dang, man, this stuff was really good. I'm like, yeah, I thought it was. You know, I only really had a little bit of airplay with one of the songs, and, mm-hmm. um, which was uh, uh, Hey Man off of Vape of the Kings. Mm-hmm. That was the only one that got um, decent airplay.
0: Well, I've been listening to to the stick figure track Care for the last little while, and I really like this track. And I could hear where there's influence by the music that was, that was happening at the time, the Mother Love Bone and Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, that kind of stuff. Was there anything that you were listening to at that time that was just repeated over and over and over again in your head?
2: You know, well, we were on, we were huge REM fans. A lot of that a lot of the stuff that we wrote was very heavily REM influenced. You know, yeah, once, you know, once I started hanging with Eddie and Pearl Jam started getting out there that you know, and that whole that whole thing, yeah, there was definitely the first or the second, I'm trying to think of which figure record. I think it was the second six-figure record was right about then. And there's a lot of, you know, a lot more guitar heavy in that record. Mm-hmm. And you know, that was definitely a lot of it influenced by, you know, the, the the whole grunge era.
0: In the the cover art for, or rather, the CD booklet for uh, Just a Thought, the first album, there's a picture of you with a black eye. And I hear that there is a story behind that picture with you and Eddie Vedder in a bar fight. Is that true? Um, well, that was, that
2: was, yeah. They yeah. some guy was chirping away at Eddie all night and we were finally trying to leave to get the heck out of there. The Pearl Jam guys, and the, the opening band for them was Herjover uh, Kill from Chicago and we were all at a New Orleans bar. And this guy just kept coming up to Eddie and just calling him a phony and a jerk and in the of He's like, "Dude, I'm just, you know, I'm just playing music. What are you tripping on?" And they went out there and the fight started and I got into it to help that out. And then the, the bouncer from the uh, bar that we were in came up behind me and cheap shot at me from behind and drilled <laughs> me.
0: So, have you ever met any of your uh, other than than Eddie Vedder? Have you ever met any of your um, your music influences or music heroes
2: oh yeah i mean i got to you know hook up with the rem guys that was awesome oh that's cool where the uh <laughs> that's where the yankee flipper song came from it was actually we hung out it was their last show of their tour it was in, in madison square garden and so that's the first time i got to meet them with southern dudes brought me in there to to meet them and we hung out and got to sit and talk with them all night and then i eventually ended up there was a, an MLB event in Vegas that was a music event. I forget exactly what it was for, but Any, Any Money was there, a um, bunch of studio musicians, and Mike Mills was there, and we actually did, me and him and the background band played Superman
1: Very um,
2: cool. together. And I was like, I was like, okay, am I, am I you or am I Michael? Am I doing the first round or am I doing it the second round? He's like, no, okay, I'll do the lead. Vocals, so you're going to be me. And I'm like, okay, let's, let's do it that way. And that was kind of funny
0: to do. And are you still playing? Are you still writing?
2: You know, um, not really, but now at this point, you know, I'm messing around with the guitar a lot more. I actually just jumped on Cameo. Um, I couldn't do it while I was coaching in the NCAA because our, our compliance people said that that might be illegal. Wow, for me to be having people pay me, you know, twenty dollars to do a little, you know, shout out on on, you know, their phone, because what if it turns out that it's a, uh, you know, a parent of one of your recruits giving you money? and oh. the NCAA is going to freak out, and I was like, okay, great, I won't join cameo then. So stupid, <laughs> the that's ridiculous. Is a joke. It is absolutely ridiculous, and so I didn't do it. And then once I. I Kind of resigned from my job um, at, the, at the end of this third season that we had right here at mm-hmm. uh, Queens. of Charlotte. and I'm done with that coaching. Um, I jumped on the cameo thing again, so I've been singing "Happy Birthday" with my acoustic to a lot of people, i <laughs> that have written a couple little, like you know, minute-long songs for different things. You know, hey, give this guy a shout out for this, this, and this. And I've just kind of written written little things there. And that's been fun to get back into doing that kind of stuff
0: to switch gears a little bit to today's baseball environment, when you were playing, it was still very organ heavy with entrance music, with, with interstitial music in between innings. And you were part of the, the, the teams that were starting like at bat music and, uh, and the tracks that players or, or pitchers would request when taking the mound. Did you have any tracks that you requested when you were playing? The only
2: time, the only time that I did, um, the, the Indians did it when I was with them in '96 uh, um, and '97, and so the song that I chose was um, Pearl Jam's "Present Tense."
0: Oh, great, and it okay. wasn't
2: because you know the music itself fired me up, but it was just listening to that. It was the overall song and the idea of being in the present tense. Forget about the last pitch, think about this pitch. Forget about the next pitch, think of this pitch, this pitch, this pitch. And that's the mentality you wanted to have as a pitcher. And I'm like, there you go. That, That song, you know, nails it.
0: When you were in the locker room, were there any teammates that played awful music in the locker room?
2: Well, the majority was a lot of country music in there. And then a lot of probably like rap and stuff like that. You know, nobody listened to any of the stuff that I listened to. So there was only a couple of people that were listening to alternative music or things like that. You yeah. know, yeah. I didn't even know half the bands they were my favorite bands, <laughs> but there were, I tell you what, there were always fights in the locker room about the music playing. Really? Always. Didn't matter what team. Oh Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, he I mean, was always like, oh, Get that crap off. this oh, <laughs> is my, I want to do it. I want, to you know, this is my, uh, yeah, oh just relax, guys. Sitting there going, There isn't a song I've heard in the last two years that, that I would even listen to.
0: So, would there would there be, uh, an opportunity for you to, to enlighten these guys with some alternative music? Yeah, were- so there
2: were some guys that I, you know, I shared some stuff with, and then, you know, they got to listen to a few different things, and then, you know, if I was going to go to a show after a game or something like that, you can bring some people along too. So they can, you know, check it out.
0: And what do you think about today's uh, game environment? Being at a game and listening to all the music, everybody has their at bat song. Is that immersion something that is, uh, that's a good thing for the fan, for you as a fan or for the game as a whole, or is that something that's a distraction?
2: Well, I mean, it's kind of cool because everyone has their own little thing. The thing that, that doesn't frustrate me but I don't get is guys be more creative with it. <laughs> like I I like when he, you know I like when he jumps on baby sharks. I think that's funny as heck. Yeah. You know? And and that's smart. And I, I always think you know the the standard ring ringer like for most iPhones and stuff like that the ding 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 you know that I, I would have put that song just to, just to make everybody laugh. <laughs> You know, you want to do something. You don't know, like, you know, you know, I want to put my favorite song up there. Yeah, whatever. You want to do something to engage everybody is what you really want to do, I would think. That's the way I would do it.
0: I agree. There's a player for the Angels that plays the outfield. Their, their big hit? Yeah, Your Love, the outfield. I love that because it's not a typical song that you would hear in a stadium setting or at least a stadium setting now.
2: Yeah, exactly. And that's that's the way I would use it if you know, I was in this day and age. I would do songs that are, you know, kinda have everybody go, Oh, well, that's crazy, you said that, or you know, you did that. Just do funny things that would you know, people would get.
0: You have I know you have kids and are they older or are they younger?
2: Well, I've got both. I've, we have done two rounds, two marriages, two rounds of kids. Got a set in their mid to early 20s, and then we have 13, uh, 13, 11, and 7.
0: Wow. That's a full house, man. Yeah, going through it. And has their music influenced you at all?
2: Not really. There's not a lot that's really <laughs> turning me on these days. I don't know. It's just different. I guess it's kind of, you hear that all the time, you know, the Older people don't like the the new the new music, but mm-hmm. I'm not a huge fan of it. there are some bands that I do like out there and I do like stuff, but not you know, there's just not a whole lot of real bands, just four guys together playing anymore. It's all just created in a studio or created on a keyboard and yeah. none of it's just guys playing
0: anymore. A lot of pro tools in there.
2: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And if if you couldn't you know, I'm actually um, a, a fan of Post Malone. I like the stuff that he's done. I find it interesting, you know, the direction he tried to take his music. But then when I then when you heard him do the, the Nirvana stuff, did you hear that when yes, he, I he did. did the Nirvana stuff recently? Yeah. Okay, my first thing was, okay, you're just giving away how much, uh, how much Pro Tools they're using to, to get your voice crushed. You know, I mean, yes. I mean, that when he, when he had his real voice out there, I was like, yeah, you're just like everybody else mm-hmm. and you're, you know, you're, you're, they're manipulating you in the, in the studio to make it all sound great.
0: And that's some of the cool things about older, older records. And when think when artists are in the studio playing real instruments, is that if there's a messed up note or if it sounds a little, a, a little crunchy or if it sounds different in the recording it just stays there, and that adds to the depth of the music. It adds to to how unique it is. It's not perfect, and it's not going to be perfect every single time. So it, that imperfection adds to the track.
2: Yeah, it's, and it's, a, it's a little cool. I mean, go back and look at the Beatles stuff the, mm-hmm. that they did that um, John Lennon... They, had to, they took it about 20 straight times, and by the time, his voice was all raspy and all that, and that was the take that they took. I'm trying to think of what song that was. It just popped into my head. I can't remember which song it was. Twist and Shout. Huh? Twist and Shout. Yeah, probably Twist and Shout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, you know, they kept doing it, kept doing it, kept doing it, until they nailed it. And by the end of it, his voice was a lot raspier, and that kind of you know turned into what the song ended up being.
0: Yeah, it adds to that track so much. And if he were just singing it straight or not, and didn't have that rasp in it, it would sound completely different to all of us.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I love listening to their, their stuff where, you know, stuff that's come out in the last handful of years where it's just like the first couple takes of the songs when they just started. You know, like they would write the song, bring it into the band, and they'd all kind of learn it real quick. And then here we go, first time around, and you know don't even sing half the words because I don't remember them and don't know, you know, what, what changes are coming. It's funny to listen to that because you're like, it doesn't happen anymore.
0: Yeah, and those demos and outtakes are so priceless because that's, that's part of the creative process, especially to, to have a view inside the Beatles' minds in that creative process. Those tracks are really incredible.
2: Oh, absolutely, yeah. And you see where the vocals are, where the, the lyrics changed at times. And where they went, hmm, that sounds okay, but this would be way cooler, you know?
0: (laughs) Jack, I really appreciate your time, and I'm glad that you came on. All right. Well, thanks for having me, man. Thanks for listening to the Score Music and Sports Podcast. You can listen to the music mentioned in this podcast by clicking the Spotify link in the description or by searching The Score on Spotify. Please take a moment to leave a review and share the podcast with your friends and family. For more exclusive interviews and playlists, subscribe to The Score Music and Sports Podcast now. And as promised, here is the stick figure track, Care.